Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Depressed the passenger. <laughs> you know, I I just keep everybody on their toes, but I still try to give people what they want. We can debate that last part. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Miami's got the ball with ten seconds left. The clock is winding down. The Miami Heat's improbable postseason run continues. After blowing a 3-0 series lead, the Heat stop the Celtics in Boston and make history themselves. They become just the second eight seed ever to make the NBA Finals. Okay, so there you go. And they're in. They earned it. Beat Milwaukee, beat the Celtics, beat the Knicks. They have not had an easy road to get there. Beat a one, beat a. Hmm, did you. What were the Knicks? Were they four or five? They were the five. Yeah, so they beat a one, five, and a two. Right? Not bad. Not bad at all. Who'd you guys beat? A six? Okay. Um, so, um, just checking. You're Maybe right, show. a six. They got to be a six because of guys that are other places like Dallas and Phoenix. All right. So today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and somewhere go to purdyinsurance.com. So did you get a chance to talk to the suit about the Indy 500? I did not, actually. Did not even come up, and we even had our bi- now bi-weekly meetings. But I'm, but I can tell you, he was probably very annoyed with how the race went with all the red flags every five seconds. That's it. I mean that the, the speeds are phenomenal. We were talking. You know, I was with the Big Ten announcers last week when you know the subject of the Indy 500 came up because Rob Blackman, a Purdue's basketball announcer, is one of the pit reporters on the radio side at the Indy 500. And so we were talking about it, and we were talking about how the speeds are between 230 and 235. And let's face it, it's phenomenal. Uh, and what happens... 
is that the cars become a blur to the fans as they go by for obvious reasons. And uh, and when you look at something like that, and you've got when they were racing, it was great racing, fast, and you know, daring moves and so forth. I mean, even the last lap. I mean, the move that Newgarden makes in the last lap, where it really goes to the inside and almost hits the pit wall because he's trying to block at the end. That's why I made the joke to the people in the at the place. I said, last time I saw driving like that was on the Jersey Turnpike, you know, which got a good laugh in the room. But, you know, but you're red flagging left and right. You have three red flags in the last 15 laps? A red flag means it stopped. And it's just, that's... That just sets the whole thing back. Whether you can't help that. Um, I started watching some of it. I got through the first stage. I'm like, uh. Then they stopped it, and I was like, you know what? No. I, I don't even know who won the race. The Coca Cola 600? That was Ryan there was Blaney. So, There's so many stoppages, I had no idea who won until he just said it. Like, uh, well, it, the the cup race and the Xfinity race got postponed to Monday because of the rain. Right. So they did the Xfinity race at 11. That didn't finish. They had to start that race. Then they finished it after the cup race. That went off with only one rain delay, I think. And there was 900 miles of racing, which was the most at a NASCAR track in one day. Mm, yeah, but it kept getting stopped because of rain that day. Correct, yes. Every time it turned around, it was stopped. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this anymore. Um, are you a fan of Ted Lasso? From the few things that I've, I, I don't, I don't really follow him that much. But from the few things I've heard of him, not really. But it is the final episode, I believe, is tonight, and it's supposed to be seventy-six minutes long, and they think it's the series finale. So it is catching a lot of interest on social media, and I believe it's on Apple TV, I believe. And that is coming up tonight. I've talked to people. I've never watched it, so I don't, I couldn't even begin. I know it has something to do with soccer. And I, I think I'll leave it at that because <laughs> I think that's about all I know about it. And the um, and the, the interest for it is off the charts because they think that this is going to be it for it. Because the other one, Secession, took, and I've never seen that. But I think Brian Cox stars in that one. Supposedly that had like two and a half million viewers or something like that, which isn't bad. The uh, the 
there's stories I think I've seen that for the first time ever, all the reserved parking spots at Beaver Stadium have been sold. Um, a higher demand. And that I can believe. Yeah. And that is the, uh, that just shows what, and what winning and anticipation can do around a program. And there's been a lot of, there is a lot of anticipation around this program. Uh, they put out the new roster, by the way. And on the new roster, there are number some number changes, and of course the younger players have been able to get their numbers. So when you look at football, let's see. I think most of you already know that knew that Jalen Reed went from seven to one. Liam Clifford from eighty-two to two. Dante Sevis is now on the roster. He's going to wear three. Malik Mega is going from eighty to four. Amari Evans from eighteen to five. Uh, Dakari Nelson will be a true freshman. He'll wear eight. King Mack, true freshman, will wear nine. Uh, let's see, Malik McLean you saw in the blue white game wearing eleven. Uh, Tony Rojas wearing thirteen on defense. Amin Vanover is going to go from fifty six to fifteen. Uh, let's see, Trey Potts transfer from Minnesota is going to wear twenty three. London Montgomery, the freshman out of Scranton, twenty four. Uh, Cam Wallace, the freshman out of Mount Vernon, Georgia, 26. Uh, Adavian Collins, transfer from Mississippi State, defensive back. He will take 29. Uh, let's see. Other guys in here. Let's see. Ty Blanding, the freshman from the Bronx, 39, defensive tackle. Kavion Keys, the freshman uh, linebacker from Richmond, will get 48. Alonzo Ford, the transfer from Old Dominion at defensive tackle, will wear 50. Uh, Joseph Mapoy, the uh, freshman defensive end from Upper Marble, Maryland, he will get 56. Uh, J.B. Nelson, by the way, is going to permanently go from 55 to 56. See. I think uh, most of you know that you know Caden Wallace, for example, is now 73. You saw that in the blue-white game. Uh, Christian Driver is going to go from 13 to 80. And, of course, 80 is the number his dad wore with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, let's see. Andrew Rapolet will uh, the freshman tight end will wear eighty seven. Uh, let's see anybody else on here? Nope, that's it. So those are some of the ones that 
are new into the program or transferred in and what their numbers happen to be. Um, leading in. Um, and that's part of the interest people want to know that stuff. And I don't blame them because I know I want to know that stuff. Dennis Dodd is reporting that Colorado is holding substantive talks with the Big 12. Of course, we've had Dennis on the show. We've talked about that. Now, what substantive talk means? I don't know. I guess we're all going to have to find out what that actually means. Um, Would this be something where Colorado plays one more year in the Pac-12 and then moves over because they can, like USC and UCLA can, because the Miranda Rights no longer plays a role? Don't know. But we'll see what uh, what comes of that. And of course, who had to sign off on that? Dion. Well, I mean, they all have to sign off on it. I mean, I get it; he's the coach. But like, I'm just tired of him trying to get like all this entitlement when he's done absolutely nothing on this level yet of college football. Like enough. Well, okay. Colorado is sitting there. Let's take Deion Sanders out of this for a moment, okay? Because he really doesn't have much to do with this. I mean, this is the athletic director sitting there and looking at the TV landscape of a few years to come. Right now, the Pac-12 is in flux, and the reports are that they're not going to get the money they thought they were going to get. Meanwhile, the Big 12 has a media rights deal that is $31.7 million that will begin in 2025. From a business point of view, from a business point of view, if you're the athletic director of Colorado, if you're Rick, I think it's Rick George is the, is the athletic director there. What are you supposed to think? Because your responsibility is to all your programs. I mean, is that, I don't think this has anything to do with Deion Sanders. Because three years from now, Deion Sanders may not be there. But the television deal will still be there. Well, I guess later on in the report, uh, Dennis had mentioned that Dion, it's Dion's goal to like get Colorado back into Texas, I guess, for recruiting purposes. I guess that's how I interpreted it. But I, I don't know. I mean, f- from a business standpoint, yeah, it makes sense because you know Pac-12's soon to become of a shell of itself. But just just this whole approach, I just I'm not been a fan of what Dion's been doing as far as this approach is concerned. I know Colorado stunk to high heaven last year. I get it, but I don't know. Just the, this approach just rubs me the wrong way. Very nauseating well, again, to me. But again, where were they before they went to the Pac-12? They're in the Big 12. Right, yes. All right. Uh, and there is a there is some talk, and we don't know how accurate it is, that they're concerned about teams in the Pac-12 getting 20 to $25 million, which is far less than the 31-7 the Big 12 figure happens to be. 
Um, now, the Pac-12 keeps saying that late this spring or early this summer, so in the next month or so, they hope to announce some sort of media rights deal. Well, what is it? And that's part, I mean, is Colorado sitting there having discussions with the Big 12? Do you get a feel for the landscape so that they can look around and say, okay, if the Pac-12 deal comes up and it's not even in the same ballpark as the Big 12 and we have this option, should we take it? I mean, you have to at least find out. That's, that's your obligation to your student-athletes and to your programs, to your coaches. I mean, we've had, for example, we've had Tad Boyle, the Colorado head basketball coach, on the show. Because Tad was on the rules, led the rules committee. And that's why we had him on when they changed some basketball rules. And I've met Tad before, and he's one of the smartest guys out there. And his interest is how can I. Do I have enough resources for my program to be great? Part of those resources happen to be your media deal. And the Big 12 jumped the line because the Pac-12's deal was actually up before the Big 12's deal. Big 12 got its deal in place before the Pac-12 did. And again, it's expected that Colorado... Now, I don't know what clauses are in this Big 12 contract with ESPN and Fox. Um, and they say that the ESPN and Fox deal is believed to guarantee an equal share for any expansion team so long as they are currently a Power 5 member. Well, if that's the case, they would get the nearly $32 million. And if they're getting anywhere from 7 to $12 million more than they would have received from the Pac-12... It doesn't matter whether your uh, whether your coach is Deion Sanders or Mike Sanders. It doesn't matter. And as for getting into Texas, for Nebraska, for example, that's something that hurt them when they went from the Big Twelve to the Big Ten. They lost any kind of hook they had in Texas. Conversely, by adding USC and UCLA, an area that's been important for Nebraska when they had some really terrific teams, as they were able to recruit in California, they might be able to do that now with USC and UCLA as part of the conference. But they lost the Texas hook when they left the Big 12. Look, is Coach Prime the star of all this? Sure he is. But Rick George is the athletic director, and his job is to do what's best long-term for Colorado, not short-term. And that's, I'm sure, what he's looking at. He's looking at what are the long-term financial ramifications. And I think that's his obligation as an athletic director. And when it comes to Deion Sanders, you just don't like him. You're just not a fan. Uh, no, not really. I, I liked him when he was on NFL Network. I thought he was entertaining, but as a college coach, he's a little nauseating. 
Well, you haven't really seen much of him as a college coach because he's been down at Jackson State until now. Hey, well, hey look, if if they go four and eight this year, I think he's had a really successful year, honestly. And he has so many transfers, I don't really know how good they are. I just don't. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Hi, this is Season. For over 100 years, the Purdy Insurance Agency has been protecting families and businesses of the greater Susquehanna Valley and beyond. With the experience of our trained and knowledgeable staff, you can rest assured that your needs will be evaluated and met by some of the industry's best representatives. No matter what your insurance needs are, call Purdy Insurance today at 570-286-5855. Visit our website at purdyinsurance.com or check us out on Facebook to see what we can do for you. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business, RV, boat, motorcycle, whatever it may be. They'll do everything they can to make sure you're fully insured and save you money. A dynamic con, uh, combination. It's all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summer. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we bring in the great, and I do mean great, with a capital G, Michael Barkin, sir. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Stephen Jones, what's up? What's going on, brother? What's going on, brother? How are you, my, me and Stephen? Stephen! Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, buddy? We're just, we're just singing along just in the car together. Oh, you, I, I love. Well, you hold. You host the show from the car. That's hey. amazing. Hey. <laughs> so, oh my god! So, but it's beautiful up there this time of year, isn't it? It sure is. It sure and, is. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a fun summer here. Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse. is going to uh, take over the head coaching job for the Sixers. Your thought on the hire? I like the hire. The guy won an NBA title. And no matter the the stars that he may have had on that team, and certainly you know led by Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry, who certainly is a Philadelphia guy, um, 
that's all well and good. You still got to be able to coach talent, manage talent, inspire and motivate talent. And Nick Nurse did that. I find it interesting that you know he, he won a championship, first time ever, in Canada for in the NBA, and then he was dispatched as quickly as he was. And and um, I'm I'm wondering if um, he and the general manager just did not see. I I don't know that. It just seems odd to me. Doesn't seem odd to you that he would well, just he could, be cast aside? Absolutely. That the, his release by Toronto made so little sense to me because he's already proven the kind of coach that he is and he could take experienced players and mix in young players and it just sounded to me like there's it's it could be an oil and, and water mix right i'm sorry i'm sorry steve you're breaking up i got a full signal and i don't know what the story is so um but but uh you're, you're asking me about about um nick nurse and i know that Joel Embiid has been talking about the fact that, you know, when Nurse coached Toronto, I mean, they, as soon as the ball was in the air going to Joel Embiid, they they had tri- they were triple teaming him for goodness sakes. So he's he's had a way to stop Embiid or to or to help neutralize him, and I think that that will go a long way toward coaching Embiid. Also, he's got a relationship with James Harden, and and I think that's important to note. Now, I'm not saying I want Harden back, but it's not up to me. So, you know, those two things alone, I think, are are a great reason to bring him in. He's a sensible pick, you know? Normally, I don't like I don't like retread, Steve. You know, I, I just don't. But I don't think Nick Nurse fits that category to me. But again, I, I'm with you. And I, I just think, look, this is a pro's pro on the bench, and I think that is something that will benefit the Sixers because he is a pro's pro. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know, the, you, you motivate guys like Devin Harden and Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, uh, and even to a certain degree um, Tyrese Maxey, who's now a veteran um, of three seasons, you motivate them maybe a little bit uh, different than you do the younger players, especially guys who are all-star caliber, and um, and all of them are either either have been all-stars or will be going to the all-star game. So um, I, I think that that his um, his I love his offense. I love the way it sets up. Uh, I love it, the way it runs to the point and it goes inside. And um, I, I think he is going to be a, a real solid pick. I really do. The, the only other thing that that I, I would love to have seen maybe was him to, to give Dawn Staley a shot, but that's just me, because I love Dawn Staley. I think she's phenomenal. And no one said anything about it that I have heard, but I would love I would love to have seen her get a shot. It would have been groundbreaking, and at the same time, I think people would have seen right away the automatic respect the players would give her, because I think it would be automatic. Automatic. Yeah, and I think I think if she wants that, and the same with Becky Hammond, who who uh, now is in yep. the WNBA, but was Popovich's one of his assistants with San Antonio. I mean, she had that respect of the players. She was able to do it. She worked it into a into a head coaching job. And and uh, I once interviewed Pat Summit, the late great Pat Summit, and man, she had that desk there. And I had no doubt that she could have coached men and been successful. So it's to me, it's just a matter of time. 
No, I absolutely agree. That's a, that's great analysis because I agree with that completely. Uh, do you do, what do you see the Sixers' window of opportunity? Is it two seasons? Is it three seasons? How, what kind of window do you think they have? And and with Nick Nurse being there, what does that do to enhance the window? Um, I think it enhances it a little bit. And, and yeah, I would say two or three seasons max. I, I think that Joe Allen beat is what? He's played seven or eight seasons. And, and I understand that he didn't play the first two because of injury, but he's still got that age on him. And, I, you know, look, I think if you talk to Sixers fans here, a lot of them would say, man, we're wasting Joel Embiid's career. This guy is a generational talent, generational player. And they have not had really a sniff at the, at the, uh, the, the NBA Finals. They, they certainly were this close to getting into the conference finals, but that's a long way from the NBA finals, as the Boston Celtics found last night. It doesn't happen like that. So, so I mean, think about this. They, they had Brett Brown, and, and now they just say goodbye to Doc Rivers. They've had Joel Embiid all that time. They bring in James Harden, who, who has been both parts brilliant and, and underperforming. And that's the frustration to me. When Forget about the pay. I mean, I won't completely forget about the pay, but forget about forget about the pay. Just look at the stature. Just look at what he has accomplished. And, you know, they would have said the same thing about Jimmy Butler the other night if they had not uh, um, if he had not come back and, and pulled Miami into the lead with 2.1 left, and then they put, put .9 back on the clock. Butler did that. Otherwise, he was a no-show throughout much of the second quarter and into the third quarter. Where the heck was he? So, so, but it's how you finish, not how, you, you know, it starts. And um, I think they have precious few years remaining with Joel Embiid. Also, he's a big man. He's a big, solid guy. And he already had injuries to start his career. You don't want to see him have injuries to finish his career. And he's been out enough throughout the postseason. It happens. And, and that is the, that's the, um, that's the, that's the joke. Uh, unfortunately, that that is the the bad joke. Springtime comes and the flowers bloom, and Joel Embiid sits out uh, at least for a period of time, and, and that's it's just the truth. So I'm hoping that they can avoid that this time around. But yeah, we'll I hope so too. yeah, I hope so too, Michael, because I will give him credit. I mean, when you hurt the LCL, that's a six-week injury. He tried to come back and play in 13. I do give him credit for that, that he at least attempted to do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I do give him credit for that. Um, and, and But that's what I think that superstars do. That's what I think guys who – say, come on, everybody, jump on my back. I'll take you to victory. That's what they do. That's what Jason Tatum did last night. And and um, the guy's injured on the first possession, and he looked like it, too. He wasn't faking anything, and he was grimacing after every play, but he stayed in. And I've rolled my ankle like that. I'm sure you have, too, as a kid. It, does, it, it hurts, and you can break it, for goodness sakes. So he stayed in that game, and I give him a lot of credit for that. I like Jason Tatum as a player, but I hate the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just endeared uh, yourself to everybody with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. And I worked up in Boston for five years when I loved the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it that old line in the, in the, in the movie Major League Two when Parkman comes yeah. to the plate? Really, he was yeah. with, the, with Cleveland. They love him. 
him. Then he came to play with the White Sox, and they can't stand him. <laughs> they hate him. They yes, hate him. That's what Jerry Seinfeld says. It's all about rooting for laundry, you know, and, and, and it's true. It's true. Look, we hate – you know how badly we hate Dallas around here, but I always like Dak Prescott as a person and as a player. You know, I hate the Cowboys. Um, but but I always thought you know what, what he's been through in his life and been able to do yeah. um, has been pretty special. So, but it doesn't take away the fact that I I can't stand that whole organization. <laughs> um, you know, it's just kind of in the genes, man. <laughs> hey, I can tell you pulled over yeah. just to do this. So I really appreciate the fact you did that. I love talking to you, Michael. Thanks so much for the time today, and as usual, the great conversation. Steve, anytime. Thanks so much. Look forward to the next time. Thank Thanks, you. brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh God, he's he is great. I love Michael so, B. I really yeah, do. He, he's just he is just great. You know, um, yeah. He gave credit to Tatum. Says he can't stand Boston, but he gave credit to Tatum. You, on the other hand, give no credit to Tatum. <laughs> no oh, I, I I actually do for. For last night, I I didn't really get the arguments of oh you know of it just ignoring the injury. He, he still came up small. Well, I mean, I I, I we've said some similar things with with Joel and B, but the but the point is, the, the the difference I should say is Tatum was clearly hurt and stayed in the game, it and was B so was, was so cleared to go back in and still didn't perform that well. He probably wasn't hundred percent. But he was no, good enough no, to at least play, and, and Tatum Bede, just slapped him right Bede, through it. And Bede had a torn LCL. It is a six-week injury. Yeah. He tried to play after thirteen. You got to. I mean, it, it, this isn't a question like, okay, yeah, he was cleared to play. Okay, he's cleared to play, but he's not even remotely a hundred percent playing out there. That's why I tried to make the point earlier in the show. But you have to have other people step up. Jalen Brown is a star in this league. Jalen Brown turned the ball over eight times last night. In the end, the better team won the game. The better team won. The better the team that played better defense won the game. The team that had an easier time getting its shots won the game. That's hey, sometimes it really is that simple. You know, you'll have some people out there like, oh, the Celtics on their home court choked, and you know, I don't, I don't believe in choking. I don't. I believe it's all about execution. And last night, the Heat executed a beautiful game plan. That's why their shots were open shots and easier shots. And the Celtics, every shot was contested. Every pass was contested. And that's because Miami executed its defense better. Sometimes it's that simple. And here's a staff view from last night that I saw. Of the 58 pick and rolls that the Celtics ran last night... 40 of them, Miami was able to switch on. Yeah. I think this is probably the best coaching job you've seen from Eric Spolstra, and he is a good coach. I'll give you that. Spolstra is, um, and we've been saying the whole time, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, I mean, I watch Missoula coach. He's a first-year head coach in the NBA. I, I got it, okay? I do, I, I got it. But, Spolster has been around the block. He knows this league. He knows how to prepare in this league. He is not just a, you know, he was LeBron's coach in this league. I mean, look what he's been able to accomplish. 
mean, who the I think the who the Lakers beat in the finals when in the uh, uh, in the bubble, right? It was Miami, right? Yep. Hey, he's been there. He's done it without him. Guy can coach. All right, we'll take a break. Come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us today. As we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right. Uh, Caleb Love, who had originally transferred from North Carolina to Michigan, but then could not complete the transfer, is now going to go to Arizona. Uh, that's one. Uh, next. The SEC going through their meetings right now, I believe, in Destin, Florida. And they're going to discuss what to do with the schedule. Eight conference games versus nine conference games. They're expanding to 16 schools, as we all know. They'll be there with Oklahoma and Texas part of the mix starting in the 2024 season. College football playoffs also going to expand to 12 teams. Here's the issue that they are running into in terms of getting the votes. Um, and it's going to, it's a simple majority that has to vote on this. They need eight schools to say yes uh, as to what model they go with. Eight with seven with one permanent and seven rotating schools, or I think it's the three six six models, the other one. So it's a simple majority that is needed. Here's the issue, and I believe Kentucky is the one leading the charge on this. You have a lot of schools that are at the, quote, bottom of the league that are not enamored with playing nine conference games. Why? Well, simple. They think bowl eligibility and competitive balance is a problem. They think that playing a ninth game gives them potential of another loss as opposed to scheduling Furman or the Citadel and getting a win. And that is a big issue for some of the schools. And that's why they're they're struggling with some of this. Now, with a four-team playoff, eight made sense from the SEC point of view, I know I've said they, everybody should be playing the same number. But the Big Ten's playing nine, Pac-12's playing nine, Big 12's playing nine, ACC and SEC are playing eight. So it's been smart on the SEC's part because they've made it work. It's gone to their benefit. You know, they also are allowed to get away with scheduling that game right before rivalry weekend. Hey, great, Alabama's going to play Mercer. Mercer. And I've always said for years on the show that if I'm on the committee, I automatically that week vote Alabama fifth. That way I can get on TV and say, hey, why are you disrespecting the process by playing them? You're electing to play them when we're voting on who should be in the final four teams. So it doesn't matter to me if you beat them 63 to nothing. I could care less. I'm not impressed. You're fifth. Uh, now, that doesn't mean that next week with a win over Auburn, I don't move them back up into second. Because these are weekly snapshots. I just feel like that you're disrespecting the process when you only get 
six weeks of voting by the committee. Well, you take one of the six weeks, and that's what you elect to do? Well, by going to nine, I don't know if it eliminates that game in the process, but you're also going to 12 now after this year. And we'll see what they want to do. They played a 10-game schedule during the conference-only COVID year. Now, as for Texas and Oklahoma, they're participants, but they don't have a vote on this until they're fully active on July 1 next year. So this is a big decision for the SEC. Stay at 8, go to 9. And Texas and Oklahoma don't get a vote. That's why they need eight votes. It's the bottom end schools they are concerned by playing an extra conference game. It could affect the possibility of them getting to a bowl game. Uh, excuse me, why do you... You mean we have to play LSU now? Oh. But we had it all set up with Florida A&M.